You are Locked On Broncos, your daily podcast on the Denver Broncos, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, you are Locked On Broncos. It is time to drop some knowledge. I'm Luke Polglaze, a semi-pro football coach, high school coach, NFL draft analyst, you name it. Basically, I've done it. Joined once again by my main man, Nick Kendall. Nick, what is good? Doing pretty well over here in uh, cold Iowa, getting ready for spring to peek its head around the corner and get us to April because now it's the combine's over. We got pro days and whatnot and just ready for the draft and ready for free agency to end or get started, I guess, get everything going. <laughs> At this point, it's it's all a jumble anyway, so I, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, just ready to get the roster lined up and see who we got to go with next year and prepare to take that crown back from the Patriots, honestly. Absolutely. Yeah, and we are committed here to bringing you a daily podcast focused entirely on the Denver Broncos at least five days a week. We're going to do a deep dive on this team. We're going to talk about everything entailing the Denver Broncos. So definitely share the episodes widely, Twitter, Facebook, Reddit. Um, If you're a LinkedIn user, uh, I'm just putting it out there. You can share us on LinkedIn if you want. Um, But definitely check out the work at Mile High Huddle. Uh, Obviously, Nick is with us. He is the draft analyst over there at Mile High Huddle. Um, Chad is out today. He is in charge. The top dog at Mile High Huddle. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Broncos. Definitely, please take a chance. At, you know, when you get the chance, just go over and take a shot and click that follow button. We could really use every single person of uh, of you listening to the show just to follow that. As we had to start it up from scratch. The home of Locked On Broncos is, of course, Audio Boom. But make sure to subscribe on iTunes and on Stitcher. It is time for free agency. Nick, and this episode is getting recorded just prior to the official opening of free agency, but already the reports are flying fast and furious. Um, Try saying that 10 times fast. The first free agents reports per Adam Schefter. It'll be official by the time this podcast comes out, but Tony Romo will be released by the Dallas Cowboys. Um, And per uh, Ian Rappaport, it sounds like he's likely to be taking a quote, Manning-style visit tour. Um, Nick, your thoughts on Tony Romo and this kind of bombshell news that he will get released? Well, I think the only person that was trying to tell people that he could be traded was Jerry Jones. I think everybody kind of had you know, the suspicion that Jerry didn't have much leverage in terms of moving him just because they have to get that cap number lower if they want to play ball in free agency, and they're not going to pay Romo that money to be a backup. It's just not happening. So it was just a matter of when, and with Thursday being the kickoff of the new NFL calendar year, they can put that June 1st designation on them when they release him, and they can split that cap over the next few years instead of having all that dead money on just this year. So it wasn't a matter of if it was going to happen, or it wasn't a matter of if it was going to happen. It was a matter of when, and now I think it's just a matter of when he's having that press conference in Dub, Dub Valley. So you think you think it's that sure of a deal that he ends up in Denver? From what I have heard, I have talked with uh, Mile High Huddle reporter Eric Trickle, and he is a fountain of great information. Just also other media outlets, but Eric's one of my go-to guys for Denver information. And he said that Jerry Jones and Tony Romo kind of have a gentleman's agreement in place where if he was going to be released, like his agent asked if he would be, that he would not sign with the Houston Texans and not sign with select NFC teams, including all of the NFC East. So some of the teams that have been rumored recently have been the Redskins. That would rule them out, as well as the Houston Texans, who 
keep taking Bronco bad players. Uh, Osweiler, not bad, you know, just overpaid a little bit. And uh, so I, I don't think he's going to end up in Houston if those gentlemen, if that gentleman agreement actually did take place. And it's, it's not binding, but I think there's a good enough relationship between Romo and Jerry Jones that if this did take place and there's enough media buzz, and I think it probably did. And I mean, where else is he going to sign? The 49ers? No. The Bears? No. The Jets? No. It's going to be Denver. I just, I can't imagine a situation where Tony Romo is not paying Riley Dixon to wear that number nine. Well, if my years in sports uh, sports coverage have taught me anything, it's I'd be a little I'd be a little bit wary of making a certain statement like that. So follow you know follow us and check back in about a week when we're just parading that statement through the streets as he as a uh, Romo signs his deal with Houston. But hey, <laughs> all, all joking aside, in all seriousness, um, I think at this point he's going to be doing the tour. I think Denver, Houston are definitely going to be stops on the tour. You know, Tony Romo, he's a smart guy. He knows what he's going to need in an organization, um, which to me, I think is going to be a stable organization, one that's definitely going to come have him come in and be the starter. Um, no ifs, ands, or buts. And I think it's going to be a team that needs a really strong offensive line. Um, he knows, I think Tony Romo is a smart guy. I think he knows the value of the offensive line that he's been working with for so many years in Dallas that is just so incredibly talented with so much investment in that. You know, Nick, do you really do you really see Denver being able to kind of come up with a line between free agency and the draft that's going to be able to, for lack of a better expression, keep Romo off his back? I am so concerned with the offensive tackle market right now. We just had Ricky Wagner, uh, not official yet, at least when we're recording this, reportedly is going to sign with the Lions for a deal north of $9 million a year, which would set the market all-time high for a right tackle. And then you got just not a lot of quality tackles in free agency. You got Russell Okung, who a lot of Denver fans don't want. I was actually one of the people saying the market is bad. Denver needs to really consider retaining him, even if it's just $12 million, just because how bad it can go quickly. I mean, right now the starting left tackle is Ty Sambrello. So if that doesn't put a chill through every Bronco fan's spine, I don't know what will. You got Beecham, who's had injuries, and you got Whitworth, who's great, but it's reported that he might resign with Cincinnati soon. So I... Denver's going to get some offensive linemen. The guards are a little heavier. You know, they can get a couple guards, I'm sure, or one guard and maybe a lower-level tackle. But then they have to go into the draft and maybe have to use that first-round pick on a tackle. I mean, you hate to handcuff yourself like that, but it could happen this year. I mean, always not going to – he's going to do everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen. But yeah, tackles in play round one, like the media has been saying, and if Elway doesn't get it done, I could see him biting the bullet, maybe even trading up for the guy that he prefers the most as a tackle because it's just such a valuable valuable position and Denver needs it. Absolutely. And now you mentioned you mentioned that line and just the weakness and free agency of it. Um, Mike Kliss of Nine News has been reporting that uh, have interest in Oakland tackle Menelik Watson, um, as well as Russell Okung may get strong interest from the Chargers. Now, any any thoughts on that um, on Watson specifically to Denver? Um, he's he's kind of an interesting character to me. Um, he's never really kind of fit in in Denver or excuse me in Oakland. Uh, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself there uh, with with Denver. Um, Premonition. Um, he's a big boy. He's a definitely kind of a larger style offensive lineman, and interestingly enough, born in England. Yeah, he's a guy who was born in England. I believe he played at Florida State. And he's always been, you know, just a great athlete. Yep. It seems like all those Florida State guys are those big, long, lanky athletes that need a little bit of refinement. And he's not the best pass blocker. You know, he's sometimes a little clunky. I think he's a little bit of a waist bender as well, which can get himself off balance. 
But when he gets squared and he starts driving people, he's a great run blocker. And we had Donald Stevenson last year. He's a little bit better on his feet, you know, moving laterally. But as we transition to a power scheme, you need guys who can drive block. That's why I've been so big on Cam Robinson, just based on tape, as a potential selection for the Broncos. And Watson's a guy who's a decent drive block. I mean, he's a decent athlete, but in terms of the power he offers and the ability to move guys at that right tackle position, I think he's a strong fit. And then you also have to remember that Denver brought in Bill Musgrave, who was his offensive coordinator in Oakland. So there is a relationship there that could potentially help be a bridge that will bring Watson to Denver. Now it has been reported that Oakland is scrambling, trying to sign him before he hits the market because they don't want Denver to get him. And I think they value him as a team that likes to run the ball with that very strong power scheme. But if the money's right, I think he's a strong option at right tackle for us. Interesting. Now, talking about the line, obviously, other, the other side of the ball, Calais Campbell uh, has been linked to Denver quite a bit uh, as of the recording of this podcast. It sounds like he is bound for Jacksonville. And a lot of people have been talking about Calais Campbell versus Chris Baker. I wanted to get your thoughts on the two of them and how they compare as players. Obviously, at this point, it sounds like Denver is out of the Campbell free stakes um, or sweepstakes rather, but uh, Chris Baker remains very much in play. Well, I have been a Campbell fan because I like those height, weight, speed freaks. And at six foot eight, 300 pounds with tree trunks for arms and the ability to two gap, one gap, play one technique, play five technique, even play some seven. Just he's so versatile. And also from being, you know, Denver and playing high school ball there, I thought maybe, maybe we could get a hometown discount just because we need that guy. But with him moving on to Jacksonville, I don't think. Well, probably moving on to Jacksonville, I don't think that's the case. Obviously, he's going for some money and, you know, make what you can while you can. The NFL is a violent game and you don't have very long. That Absolutely. Being said, Chris Baker is a guy that I like a lot. I was brought him from, I believe it was Hampton, and he you know, had some work to do to get better and get in NFL shape. But he's really proven himself to be a great defensive lineman for Washington. Uh, I love his versatility. He kind of reminds me of... Uh, Walker, where he can play five technique and also play some nose and is a very good stout run defender. He can anchor as well as get a little bit of push in the pocket since last year. I mean, you need a guy that can do that because Crick, (laughs) he's the anti-Crick in that regard, I guess. (laughs) Hey, gang, we interrupt this compelling football conversation to talk to you about today's sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash LO Broncos. Over 180,000 different titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's right. For you, the listeners of Locked On Broncos, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. With your free trial, you can listen to a variety of different titles, including many bestsellers. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com forward slash LOBroncos. Again, that's audibletrial.com forward slash LOBroncos for your free audiobook. And now moving on to another guy who has former Denver connections. Obviously, Elvis Dumerville played in Denver for several years. Um, he got released by Baltimore. A lot of people, I think, are going to be asking, is he a guy who Denver rings up again, uh, maybe avoids the facts this time and just picks up the telephone? Um, do you think he's going to be you know, a guy who uh, Denver takes a look at? I'm sure Denver will consider it because you need four edge rushers, I think. You, know, you want to rotate those guys in and out. 
but why would you sign Doomerville when you can sign DeMarcus Ware for probably less? And you're going to want that guy to be that veteran leader on the team and Ware already fits that role. So he'd be in that later portion where if he's like cheap, you know, at the end, free agency, you'd look at him. But I think he'll get signed before that and Ware just fits that role better. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think he's going to end up um, just looking for a different market. I think there is going to be bad blood between him and Denver when it comes down to it. Uh, So I think he's going to end up in a different market. Um, Just let's talk about some of these free agency deals because these are really interesting as we get into the free agency here. Obviously, a big, big signing so far is the wide receiver, Brandon Marshall, not the linebacker, um, to the New York Giants for two years and 12 million. Your thoughts on that? You got to be happy if you're Eli Manning <laughs> and you got to be happy too. If you're Brandon Marshall going from a dumpster fire, that's been the jets organization recently to a strong offensive passing attack in New York and the giants, you got Odell Beckham there. You got Sterling Shepard. Who's a very underrated slot receiver who I loved in the draft last year. And they got to work on that run game and that offensive line still, but just as far as a set of weapons, only they're after tight ends round one as well. So that could be a, Grab Eli Manning if you're into fantasy football because he's going to probably put up some numbers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like they still need a tight end. Uh, I think it remains to be seen whether or not um, Paul Perkins could be the running back there for the stable. But, man, they've got a legitimate number one, a legitimate number two, and I think they're going to have a legitimate number three with Sterling Shepard. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun watching that New York Giants throw the ball around, and they got a solid defense as well. And I think they're in that win-now mode. You don't put that franchise tag on JPP if you're not in a win-now mode. So I would imagine the Vegas odds for the Giants are moving up. Yep, I couldn't agree more. 49ers, the big movers so far in free agency. They have got Brian Hoyer for, for Brandon Marshall money, two years, $12 million. Pierre Garçon, um, total contract has not yet been released, but it will include $16 million in his first year. Marquise Goodwin, um, I haven't seen any numbers. And fullback, Juice check. You, you always got to pause with that name, don't you? It's kind of, you know, he probably just pe- thinks people are just being dramatic when they talk to him. It's, why, hello, Kyle. Juice check. Um, he is signing for four years, 21 million. 49ers are making some really big moves here. I think they have the second most cap space. So, and it sounds like a lot of these guys have a lot of front loaded money. And due to, you know, having that much cap space and having to meet that floor. Makes a lot of sense. And they got to, you know, completely overhaul that roster. And I'm curious to see if Cousins ends up there because that's going to totally change the dynamic of that team and the entire NFC West. But I think they are making moves that they kind of have to make. They got to have a culture change. They brought John Lynch in, who we'll see how that goes, but I think the culture change there. And you got Shanahan, who's a great offensive mind, except when he chooses not to run in the Super Bowl and gives the gosh darn Patriots another Super Bowl. But other than that, you know, great culture change in the 49ers, hopefully, and they're spending money like it's going out of style because they have the money to spend like that. Yeah, and I know that a lot of people have had a lot of very different opinions on this. Um, I just want to get your take. Do you think Hoyer in San Francisco means that San Francisco is out of the Cousins sweepstakes, or are they still in this and they're just kind of getting some kind of quarterback on the roster since they have none to work with at the moment? Hoyer kind of reminds me of the Broncos getting Mark Sanchez, just making sure that worst case scenario, if things don't pan out, you have a guy who can take snaps. You know, he's not a great quarterback, up 50, you know, and he can play. And if you have to take a quarterback that's not ready, you know, round one or two, keep that seat warm until that young guy's ready to go. And it's just, it's just making sure that you're not left that vulnerable. 
Yep, I completely agree. Now the big, the big, big, big trade of the day. I don't think anybody really saw this coming, especially with two kind of in division um, teams that tend to headbutt quite a bit. The Colts and the Patriots making a trade. Patriots trading a fourth round pick for tight end Dwayne Allen and the sixth round pick of the Colts. Woo! I don't. I did not see that coming. And to me, it is a very curious trade because if they wanted that second tight end. Uh, you know, why Why wouldn't you just spend an extra couple million and get Martellus Bennett, um, who you know fits the system? Instead, they went out and got Dwayne Allen. I don't understand it at all from the Patriots' perspective. I mean, they got a lot of draft picks. They This is probably the best tight end class I've ever scouted, so they could get a guy there. And they got money. So, I mean, bringing back a guy who's been solid, a good blocker. I mean, Martellus Bennett is a monster. I think he's almost like 280 pounds. I don't, I don't know, just almost an offensive lineman up there. But from the Colts as well, I mean, that's not that's not great value. They just spend him to a lot of money, and Dwayne Allen is a he's not you know the most athletic guy, but for his size and his ability to be a two way tight end, he's a dang good player. So I I'm a big fan of Chris Ballard, uh, recently hired by the Colts. But man, what are you doing? I, I don't get this trade. Yeah, I don't get it either. I like Jack Doyle. I think he's going to do well as the number one tight end there in Indianapolis. You know, how ironic would it be if uh, if the if the Colts turned around and make a make a run at Martellus Bennett? Uh, that would be pretty ironic. We'll see. Uh, Colts need to spend money on that defense, though. I mean, they got yeah. offensive weapons and they'll probably use some pick. Maybe they'll get Fournette or something, but Colts just need to get Andrew Luck a defense so he's not throwing it 50 times a game and getting hit 30 times. Yeah, completely agree especially with another offensive lineman, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Reitz, I believe it was, retiring. Yes. Yep. And uh, big players in free agency, the Baltimore Ravens, I think, have landed the number one safety in free agency back-to-back. Last year, they got Eric Weddle. This year, they pulled Tony Jefferson, who I absolutely love, uh, out of Arizona. I always thought he's been really kind of overlooked in that in that secondary that includes two pretty much all pros with Patrick Peterson and with, um, obviously, the Honey, Honey Badger, Badger, Tyron Mathieu. Yeah. Rare. <laughs> and talk about that. And then, obviously, they also just got Danny Woodhead, the running back, uh, formerly of the Chargers, the Patriots. Um, your thoughts on those? Well, Tony Jefferson's a great signing for them. They do have some solid secondary pieces now. I'm kind of surprised. Like, we were talking about the Patriots. This is a great safety class, and the Ravens have picks. And also, they don't have that much money. I mean, they are letting some of their big guys go. I think Brandon Williams is probably not going to be back with this money they're spending now. And like we talked about, Wagner's probably off to the Lions. So they're making some moves. But Tony Jefferson, like you said, very underrated player for that uh, Arizona defense covered up by those other LSU guys. And I honestly thought he'd be back with the with the Cardinals. You know, they but. Clay's Campbell walk and they are paying Chandler Jones some serious money. It sounds like, but seriously, great pickup by the Ravens. Denver wasn't really in play for him. Unlike they were for uh, Danny Woodhead. And that kind of makes me sad. I was hoping we'd, you know, sign Danny Woodhead for kind of cheap because he knows the system and Denver needs that third down kind of scat back, even though he's coming off that ACL injury. And that would just, you know, solidify one more position that we don't have to look at in the draft. Yep. And I mean, just looking through this Baltimore depth chart on defense, they could really use a guy like Jefferson. Obviously, I think Eric Weddle is one of the best safeties in the league. Um, But on the offensive side of the ball, Kenneth Dixon is going to seize the reins and just run away as the starting running back. But 
a guy like Woodhead, you know, he's always going to be there for a guy like Flacco just to check the ball down to. Um, we can we can debate about Flacco all we want. Um, I think fact of the matter is that the Ravens are really stuck with him. I don't think he's going to be a top level quarterback uh, in this league for much longer, if at all. Um, so to have a guy like Woodhead who can be a quarterback's best friend is just huge for him. Yeah, I agree, and I'm kind of worried about him cramping Kenneth Dixon's style as that receiving back because Dixon is a pretty good receiver as well. But elite, hashtag elite, Joe Flacco is going to love Woodhead there, and he's going to be a – not elite, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but he's going to be a solid player there, and I think the Ravens are going to contend for that AFC North again this year. Yeah, and it's always so brutal in that division. I think it's definitely going to be one to watch. Um, well, uh, barring any, you know – quick buzzes from my phone in the next 30 seconds here from Adam Schefter. That'll, that'll do it for us today. Nick, again, thank you so much for joining us as always. Truly appreciate it. It was great having you on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You can follow me at Nick Kendall, MHH. Ask me any questions about the draft or Bronco football or life in general. I'm a talkative dude. I'm social and, you know, glad to talk with you. And you can also check out Carl Dummler's and I's, uh, Bronco podcast huddle up where we're going to focus a little more on the draft heavy stuff once a week. And you can follow that on Twitter also at huddle up underscore MHH. Awesome. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. You can find us there at locked on Broncos. Definitely follow the show. Uh, we will be back next week. Um, definitely bringing you all kinds of free agency news. Uh, we will probably not be stocking any kind of Romo limousines arriving in Denver, but we will definitely be, uh, be here to talk. So for Chad, for Nick, I'm Luke. We'll talk to you soon. 